You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show! First things first, we have got to talk about Bang Bang Con, which was this weekend's BTS live-streamed concert marathon, and it was such an emotional trip down memory lane. For me, as I'm sure it was for a lot of longtime fans, too, it was... I'm going to... I could go on and on about it, but I decided to narrow down my favorite moments to talk about and the highs and lows of Bang Bang Con in a list that's top 11 because I could narrow it down to a top 10. So, the top 10 highs and then we'll get to the lows of the Bang Bang Con experience for me. But first, a few stats to just show you how cool and exciting and huge this event was. So during Bang Bang Con, there were over 2 million people who would be watching it at the same time, um, which is really cool to think about all the different time zones and people around the world who were watching at once. And again, a reminder of how cool and uniting and universal a love of music can be and how uh, no matter where we are in the world, ARMY will always team up for events like this and be together in unison using our light sticks because the Bluetooth connections did sync up. So around the world, people's light sticks were lighting up along with the concert and 500,000 light sticks, to be exact, were lit up throughout this event. Uh, in the first 24 hours, over 60 million views had been racked up and hashtags associated with Bang Bang Con were over 6 million. So over 6 million people had used the hashtag BangBangCon in their tweets from around the world. Viewers tuned in from 162 different countries, and over 30 different hashtags were used associated with BangBangCon. So even if you have been under somewhat of a Twitter rock and haven't seen K-pop news trending on Twitter every day. <laughs> this was even more of that than usual, where you saw on the Trending Now page a lot of references to Bang Bang Con, even if you didn't realize that they probably were references to things they said or did during Bang Bang Con. So it was a really fun, exciting army takeover online this weekend. And the hashtags, one more interesting fact about that is that the over 30 different hashtags associated with Bang Bang Con were trending for 10 straight hours during day one of Bang Bang Con. Whew, that, it, that is really something. So my, now to that list. So my uh, first favorite moment, my first highlight I gotta mention is the rap line because I just miss the rap line songs and just the throwbacks and it was it was everything. Just their it was it was so cool to see their swagger come out more and more because I love that the through the chronological order of the streaming you got to see them grow up. So like the first night they seem so little and not not super insecure on stage, but definitely not as polished, honestly. Their performance is not as polished and their overall just demeanor not as confident in the first few years. And then you really saw growth leading up to the Love Yourself tour. And it was a very cool journey to watch again and watch in, it, it was a more, it was more apparent than ever before how much they've grown as artists, just watching all of it back to back like that in a way I hadn't before. So that was awesome. Two, 
We have to talk about the costumes they wear for the musters. Obviously, if you're a Jim and Vice, you agree that Jim and dressed as a puppy is just the best thing we could have expected. And obviously, when they wear their army bomb headpieces and all of those other costumes are just just gems. It was so great to see. Uh, and, you know, how can your mood not be lifted after seeing them dressed up so cute? Third, the dance breaks. Obviously, mic drop comes to mind, but also all other iconic dance breaks. Oh, I cannot wait for the day when we get to see the dance break for On in person, which will come. It'll come. It'll just be a while. Uh, four, I forgot how cool their lighting is. So the way that they use these, even the lighting to tell a story in their shows, and especially the lit up uh, hot air balloon, fake hot air balloon structures that they floated around in for the encore during the um, Young Forever Most Beautiful Moments in Life era tour. That that was just, it was so aesthetic, and it's just very cool how they really create this incredible live musical-esque appeal in their performances that's just so next level compared to other per live performances. That's why even if you're not a diehard army, they are the kind of act that you would be mesmerized to see in concert because they just are performers through and through. Next up, I will have to say the hint that was at the very end of the show. So for the most part, there were English translations on screen throughout all the programming, but and maybe it was at the end too, and I just accidentally turned off the subtitles or something, but I didn't see any uh, English translation on the screen for the final message, so I just assumed it was a message like, thanks for tuning in or something, uh, not really, like a non-event message, not super urgent or worth a remembering um so naturally they were like lol jk big hit entertainment because apparently that was a huge hint so at the very end if you missed it on the screen at the very end of the whole streaming thing so after the bts message came on the screen where they were saying a, a goodbye message and thanks for tuning into bang bang con and all of that there was a screen with that was black with white letters in korean and apparently that said that bts will be uh back in our back in our homes, back in our rooms. It was something along the lines of that that it said, like, we will be back uh, with you in June. So that is a very standard big hit, classic big hit to just, <laughs> to just play with our emotions like that and tease us by giving us the most vague announcement ever. They have announcements for their announcements. If you a long time army, you know this is something we should be used to. These this emotional roller coaster of getting excited about a teaser, but also annoyed that it's such a vague teaser. But but yeah, I guess it never fails to be surprising <laughs> anyway. So we'll see. I know that June is usually when BTS has a lot of events. Um, online and otherwise, and people talking about and celebrating their journey because that is their debut month. So every June, the BTS Festa happens where it's a big celebratory event for ARMY and for BTS to just celebrate the birthday of the band BTS. So this year, they the way it was worded sure makes it sound like they're going to do something else like Bang Bang Con for their anniversaries of band. And... I have a specific idea for what form that will take. Not so much a prediction as a proposition that I really hope they accept. Um, so I'm going to, once we get to a later story, I will bring up my idea because another band is doing this and I'm hoping BTS does that too. So I'll get to that. I'll get to my idea. But 
Anyway, we have a surprise in store, and that was obviously had to something that had to be on my list of the best moments of Bang Bang Con. I do want to call attention to the backup singers and dancers, especially for Mama. I forgot that I, I forgot a lot of detail about the Mama performance that I should have remembered, um, because honestly, like my favorites from that era in terms of BTS solos are Lie and Awake. And Mama wasn't exactly my style, but I forgot how good it is. And then watching it, the live performance reminded me. So I'm sorry, Hobie, for not uh, appreciating Mama enough before I watched it again this weekend. But anyway, so the Mama stage had this huge choir behind him and everything. And it was just a very, very just beautiful rendition. And it was just fun and joyful and contagiously joyful. It was great. And so... I just want to give a shout out to them, as well as all the backup dancers that make songs like Not Today and newer songs like On look just so incredible with the choreography and everything. So the stage presence is as if it wasn't enough with all seven BTS members when they add all the backup dancers. It's really uh, commanding your attention. And it's just, again, another very cool element of BTS shows that is just shows that you can really find their shows really fun and entertaining to watch, even if you're not a huge fan of BTS specifically, but it's really quite an art. They really pulled off quite a show, and I just always want to show my respect to dancers and singers that are backups, because at any show, really, not just BTS, they really do help form the lifeblood of these shows and really bring them to life, so uh, all respect for them. Also, I do want to bring attention to Namjoon's ending mens, his ending comments at the end of every show. And I have a little personal story about that as well, but I'll get to it in a second. But um, So some of my favorite parts of what Namjoon says, and it's always really funny to watch when everyone says their goodbye comments, and I always forget how long it goes, so as they're talking, I'm, like, getting sad to think the show's about to end, and then I forget that there's still, like, a half hour left because there's a lot of talking at the end. So that's a nice sense of relief I get from that. But anyway, and it's also funny to see their personalities come out. Like, some of them are just, you know, not super emotional or into it, and others are pretty reminiscent and nostalgic and reflective and... Namjoon is like super philosophical. They are all just very much in their elements. So classic Namjoon is always on display and he gives these really moving monologues. And again, this is an element of BTS shows that I think even non-ARMY can appreciate and really enjoy hearing because, well, I'll, I'll explain my personal connections to his monologues in a minute. So anyway, so his monologues, a few that I just want to reiterate a little bit of the content of because I just think it was very meaningful and inspiring to hear and be reminded of, and I hope other people find it very relevant today and helpful to hear as well. One of his monologues, he told a story about how a friend of his called him one day and just said, you know, I just wanted you to know that I'm so happy right now. And he was the why that person was so happy was just because he was out somewhere. He was outside. He was feeling the breeze. He was just really one with nature and just in a field somewhere, just sitting and looking at nature and feeling the breeze and feeling alive. And he didn't really have any specific news or anything to tell Namjoon. He just called Namjoon to say, I just wanted you to know that I'm really happy at, in this moment. And I want to share that happiness with you so that you can feel some happiness too. And so Namjoon talked about how that 
left a mark on him and he really started thinking about it and how it's a very cool thing that first of all happiness is contagious like that because if you do hear someone say oh I'm so happy right now you gotta feel a little good right just as the same as you'd feel upset when someone around you is upset or a little bit frustrated maybe if someone around you is also frustrated human emotions are can be so contagious and so that was the an impactful thing to think about and also Namjoon mentioned that it made him a little jealous honestly because he was like when is the last time I just was like that just like not for any particular reason or exciting event in my life but just flat out just going about my day and sudden I suddenly stopped and thought you know what I'm very content in this moment and I'm really happy and he was kind of uh wistful for that and so that that definitely hit me to hear that because I can definitely relate to that. And uh, it, I mean, I do have those moments now, honestly, where I'm just happy and content and try to live in the moment. Um, but wow, it took years to mentally be able to do that. And so that's kind of the journey that Namjoon went on. And I did. We both, uh, that's why people are so connected to BTS as a fandom because we grew up with them. And so we dealt with the same emotional frustrations and roller coaster as they did growing up. And so it was a, one of those moments where it really hit me and reminded me how cool it's been to grow up with Namjoon and the other members of BTS because we, we've learned these life lessons and experienced these same emotions together over the years and been vulnerable and open and honest about them together, which is really cool. But anyway, so I was thinking about that and just it's a great relevant lesson for this time too. It's just and when you have these little moments of joy to just revel in them and embrace them and don't take them for granted and share it. Because I I personally still worry sometimes about when I'm feeling good in a moment, how selfish it might sound and how it might just upset someone who doesn't feel the same way to open up and say, I'm really happy right now, to someone who I know is not. But you'd be surprised at how not necessarily always contagious it'll be in extreme circumstances like the one we're living in, but how much it really can can make other people feel better. To know that other people are doing well is something that gives them a sense of uh, satisfaction or, or just a little less, it, 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 it lessens their burden to know that other the people around them do not also have burdens. It's just, it lightens the situation. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's just something to think about is that, um, yeah, being vulnerable can really pay off and it can help others either relate and you get through it together or just feel better. And so that is what really stuck with me. Also, uh, the Namjoon monologue that is uh, so just beyond iconic when he talks about um, the purpose of BTS music and how it's all about healing. And that's what Big Hit Entertainment was founded on in general, this idea of, um, you know, I mean, because Big Hit Entertainment was created because someone who used to work for a different company actually left and decided to set out to create a company with a different purpose that was a greater purpose in all about music where people, where the artists could tell their truth and people could feel heard and healed through the incredible power of music. And so uh, Namjoon talked about that and how the he's that. The classic example that I always think about about how BTS, he says, kind of exists because it's they view themselves as having value as a band if they reduce our pain level as listeners to uh, from 100 to 99%. If that's all it takes, that's still enough. 
And that one I think about a lot because it's true. And the way they talked about the Sun Magic Shop when it came out and how that is like their gift to us as a reminder that during tough times, let's all go to this mental magic shop in our heads and they are there waiting for us. And it's just they have such a calming presence sometimes and are there to comfort us through music, which again is one of the many reasons why I love music and find it so incredibly powerful and healing and universally a special universal language that speaks to super universally relevant human emotions. So anyway, so that one always gets me choked up. So yeah, the taking away the pain monologue, the I'm so happy right now phone call monologue, the monologue with a personal connection to me, maybe I'll talk about next. So that one was actually when I saw them the first time. It was in Chicago, and it was during the Love Yourself Tour, the first leg, so before they added the stadium date. So this was like an indoor arena, and uh, Namjoon gave just this great analogy where he was talking about how in Chicago he went to this aquarium. And I don't know why, it just seems like every celebrity who tours in Chicago, their go-to tourist thing is to go to the aquarium. Side note, I just find that interesting, because I just feel like they're way better things to see in Chicago, but I digress. And so Namjoon was talking about how we saw all sorts of fish, different types of fish, colorful fish in this aquarium. And I believe he started talking about that because a different member was talking about going there. I think it was Jungkook or Taeyeon, I can't remember. But anyway, one of them was saying, not sure, I guess, um, they were not as confident in their English speaking skills then, so one of them just decided to blurt out, I went to the aquarium, and that was like their ending monologue, period. And so Namjoon basically riffed off of that and turned it into a classic Namjoon philosophical metaphor. And so he started talking about all these different fish he saw, and he pointed out how they all swim in the same tanks. And then he was saying, well, that's kind of like this crowd, because... It's all of us, and you see people of all ages here, you see all types of relatives here, you see boyfriends, girlfriends, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, etc. And then he was talking about how you see people of all types, all races, ethnicities, and other identities in the crowd. And so he said, we're all enjoying the same music, just like all those fish learn to live together in the same tank. And basically, he, uh, what he was trying to say was that like, we, we should all live in, you know, an aquarium of love, as he, I believe he put it, an aquarium filled with love. We should learn to be like those fish in the aquarium. So, I don't, that is just, that is that was everything, that monologue. And so, anyway, that was a very historic speech to witness. All Grammy speeches from history are shook after that. And the last part of his monologues that I want to talk about. I know I've been going on a while about this, but uh, he's got some inspiring stuff to say that I think deserves to be talked about. Anyway, and then, so the last thing I'll say about that is that he he gives this monologue where he mentions the the line that, one of the lines that sticks out to me the most from the whole BTS music video universe, which is, we laughed a lot and, cr and cried a lot, but it was so beautiful. Just talking about life being worth the bad parts because you have the good parts too, so you gotta deal with the lows because the highs are worth it. And so that whole life is worth living both on the highs and lows. Um, take them as they come mindset and message. Um, that monologue really gets to me too, and the whole 
the whole plot line, the whole overall theme and lesson from the most beautiful moments in life era. So anyway, yeah, so obviously it was a very emotional journey to watch Bang Bang Con and feel so connected to everyone around the world through the screen. And it was just, it was just perfection, as we all know. So anyway, yeah, it was very cool to watch them improve. I will also say, um, so I have three more on my list of the 11 best things about this. So the the dance breaks, the settings, like the lighting and the air balloons and everything, the ments at the end of the shows, the rap lines work, the costumes, backup dancers, the hint at a June surprise, watching them grow and improve over time, all the Easter egg references that I hadn't noticed before or did but forgot about. I got to be have my memory refreshed about those and revisiting some old songs that I'd forgotten how good they were. A lot of B-sides, like Look Here, 24-7 equals Heaven, the older stuff, hip-hop file, like all of the old school, uh, no no pun intended, old school references uh, were just, uh, they just really, you know, when a song just really like hits the spot, for lack of a better phrase, those B-sides were getting to me. I was really... I mean, I forgot how iconic of bops they are. Anyway, and then my 11th is just the goodbye. On, at the end of every single show, at the the final screen is a special thank you to Arby, and it just makes me feel seen and special. So anyway, all right, moving on. Another big development in the world of news uh, music news, that is, is Monster X is coming back. So Fantasia X is the next saga, and it will be out next month, as well as an OT6 Astro comeback, and New East will be back, and Day 6 is coming back. I mean, it, May is going to be serving us. So, uh, so anyway, Monster X has started dropping teasers for the Fantasia X era. Hyunwan seems like a key character in this again, so if you need a music video storyline refresher that would probably stay relevant now, I would do two things. One, catch up watching the all-in and fighter and drama-rama yeah, Dramarama, All In and Fighter music videos uh, to catch up on storyline points. Shine Forever probably too. All of that like um, Shine Forever slash The Clan era videos would be most relevant to the storyline right now, I believe, if we're going back to that, which it's they're hinting that we are. And second, uh, go to episode 10 of season one of this show because I I delivered a whole episode about, I believe it's called Comeback Wanho. It was released a while ago and it is about the whole Monster X music video universe. So if you need a storyline refresher, you're welcome. It's You can find it wherever you find this show, Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, whatever. So anyway, that is very exciting and I am ready for that. And we've got more content for Monster X with some solo pictorials for I Am and Kihyun. And so that'll, that is an interesting thing. When, when, an, when band members start getting more solo work, it makes me wonder why, why is in not a bad thing, of course, but like, is, is the band, are the management trying to see how artists do or giving them more creative freedom and like seeing how they're doing in terms of solo popularity not to get super paranoid nervous about other members going solo I'm just wondering if they're testing out for the future of the band um because they only have a few years left in their contract if they're like already planning for what happens after the seven years 
that bands tend to be together. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. So clearly I've had too much time to think because I don't want to think about that yet. So anyway, moving on. If we talk about, let's talk about Juhani. So Juhani released a mixtape DWDT in 2018 at the end of August of that year. And so 20, in 2018, he released that with the music video for the single Red Carpet. And somehow now, two years later, Red Carpet has hit number 16 on the World Digital Singles Chart. I guess it's just something Mom and Baby did to celebrate his return to the group after a hiatus for health reasons. And honestly, I think I helped with that accidentally. And maybe a lot of it was not even a planned project, but just happened because I was thinking about him a lot lately. And so I was just in the mood to listen to that mixtape again. So if we like got it charting again, maybe a lot of it was just accidental because we missed him. But either way, it's great news for him to know. And speaking of Juhani, he was revealed to have helped produce and write content for the new Starship Entertainment boy group, Cravity. And so he was seeing behind the scenes of their show performances, giving them some support and encouragement, and that's a, Juhani must be the best young to have in the business, honestly. But speaking of Cravity, a little downside is that they have been accused of plagiarizing the storyline of XO members, and honestly, I haven't, I, I've watched the video for Break All the Rules, their debut single, but the connections to the XO storyline to me are not... Well, there are, there are quite a few I do see, honestly, but there are also some I don't. So, I I get where they're coming from with plagiarism accusations, but I think I need to rewatch the video more to fully get their argument. And so, here's my thing about accusations about plagiarism in K-pop and the music industry overall. This may be because I am just so obsessed with music and such a music fanatic, not just for K-pop, but for music from all over the world. I am just constantly listening to so much music and watching so many music videos that, honestly, to be totally, totally honest, I see a lot of parallels and connections and, I guess you could call it copying instances, uh, among artists from all over. Not just within industries, but between industries. And it's just it just happens. With the amount of saturation I have of music videos and music content, I just hear and see a lot of similarities in content, even subtly. And it's just, I mean, part of it's the nature of music and videos, honestly. There are only so many themes you can have. And so, it, it, you know, there's... It's, it's weird for me because sometimes I do honestly get defensive when I see that a concept seems to be ripped off from a fave, but at the same time, a lot of it ends up being coincidental. Uh, so there are a couple things to keep in mind. First of all, companies like to have a certain look sometimes, especially like Starship Entertainment. Their whole concept is going for groups that are not like monsters, but you know, not even Halloween-esque. That's not a good way to put it. But like kind of out of this world content, like the Starship Entertainment theme naturally is, you know, about like the supernatural or the otherworldly. So Cosmic Girls, Monster X. And so this new group, Gravity, is probably going to be in that category as well, branding-wise. And so 
you know, part of it is just trying to keep the theme constant among the groups within a company. Because, like, I've seen a lot of SM Entertainment artists, for example, they look like they're filming on the same set or just have similar props in the background of their videos. So part of that might just be intentional on the company's part for the continuity of their brand characterization. I also think part of it is just that some themes are very universally applicable um, or just tried and true plot lines, I guess, because they know if a company knows a certain plot line sells, of course they want to kind of adapt that plot line for their own band too. And honestly, you know I'm not throwing any shade. I love Monster X and BTS, but like they both have time travel plot lines in their other moments in their videos too where I've been like, hey, that reminds me of that other group's video. It just happens. I think part of it is not intent. I mean, some of it, don't get me wrong, there are instances where it's so blatant that someone just ripped off what someone else did. Um, cue the ballistic boys monologue I could go on. But anyway, it, that it's it's infuriating. But there are other times where I'm not as worked up about it because it's part of the business and it's part of the brand's goals. And really, I just think every artist can add their unique flavor to universal themes. And that's what every genre is, really. There are parallels and similar plot lines in a lot of movies, and a lot of TV shows, and a lot of books, a lot of media content. But the the joy and the cool thing about humans and our natural creativity is the ability for each of us to tell the same story in a different way and put our own spin on it. And so I think we have to wait and see with gravity. So don't say they're canceled yet or whatever. Give them time, and after a few more releases and video releases specifically, if there continues to be some parallels to the EXO plotline with the the cube they're holding up, the magic cube thing, and the the overall setting they're in, and the the theme where they're like they're by a wall, and the there's you know the other version of themselves is on the other side of the wall. Those elements, if we see those kind of things again in more gravity content then I'll be like okay you've been ripping off EXO stop it <laughs> but for now I'm not worked up about it and they do sound different sonically they're not they don't give me an EXO vibe so I don't know if it's a complete like a ripoff but like I said it's just a wait and see approach and let's let's be patient especially with rookie groups these days as I'll talk about a little later in this episode they're having a really rough time right now because a lot of k-pop groups do not go past the rookie stage and they just band within a year or two and it's really hard with a, such a saturated industry these days let alone right now when during this pandemic they can't have in-person fan events to help build up strong connections and a stable loyal fan base so rookie groups i just want to cut some slack right now because it's hard to get their name out there to get people's attention right now to be part of the news right now to develop a loyal fandom right now it, it's hard so i i don't wish them any ill will especially because juhani has given them his seal of approval we love that we're going to talk more about rookie groups right now as well as just other k-pop artists in their live show content and how they're adapting it in a few minutes but first a few quick other k-pop related headlines to talk about 
Twice's docuseries is on the way later this month, and this week it looks like we're getting special teaser trailers starring the different members, so stay tuned because it sounds like there's a lot of cool content on the way before the live stream, which will also feature a Q&A with the questions we've submitted, and so I really hope the management does not have the audacity to ignore my questions, so root for me, please, and uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll just take credit for whatever questions they do answer. We will see. So anyway, another big thing in the world of K-pop content, GOT7's new album is out today. So the die slash don't swear by the moon era is beginning. And so side note, my bias is Bam Bam and Blonde Bam Bam is the best Bam Bam. Blonde, oh, it's just gorgeous. So, and also in general, this aesthetic for this comeback is really, really K-drama meets Prince Charming look and I'm lo- I'm living for it. And it is also just overall so far based on the my first listen of the album this morning, so I need to listen to it more obviously to give a better review, but it's it's very cool and sonically different for them but also very similar at least compared to the all the other releases to the the spinning top era that we just had before this one and the call my name call Call me by my name, the call, I want to say call me by my name, the call my name era, you calling my name era. Anyway, my point in saying this is that it's very cool to see GOT7 feel very comfortable, like they've really explored the past few years, but now they've found their key sound, their own unique vibe, and they're sticking with it. So it's cool to watch them enhance that, and they really are, they've grown a lot, so it's been cool to watch their journey and their choreography, it's become more in sync over time, and so it's a very cool comeback. I will also say that there's always the locals on Twitter who are asking, who's the guy in the insert outfit here for K-pop groups? You know that it's going to be J-Bum for this con- for this comeback. It's going to be, who's the guy with the long hair and the pierced ears? It's J-Bum, and you're, it's your new bias record, people. So, just a PSA. Another PSA is that we have less than 24 hours left before EXO's live album releases. Maybe you're listening to this later in the week, but it's being recorded April 20th. So as I say this, it'll be less than 24 hours away. Maybe it's already out by the time you hear this. But EXO's next Exoplanet live concert album is out soon. And I hope a lot more artists do that in the future as we... Well, I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. Never mind. Alright, my last quick headline before I do talk more about the pandemic and how it's affecting the live music era. Super M had a very exciting cameo on the One World Global Citizen fundraising concert event. So there was a live stream before the televised portion of the event, and Super M was a part of that live stream, which raised close to $128 million for healthcare workers on the front lines of this pandemic. And it's, it's kind of a little embarrassing for me because I was so ready to jump. I had my chanting ready. I was stretched and ready to go. Maybe not really that, that intense, but I really was ready to jump. But we did not go jumping. They decided to perform With You, an unreleased track, instead. So With You is obviously thematically better. So I... Uh, yeah, so I obviously was a little surprised, but it's in a good way. And now we can hear that because the studio version of With You is still not available. So now we kind of do get a studio version because you can stream Super M's 
performance of With You from that event. If you search One World and you can look at the live concert album on Spotify and I believe iTunes now. So also keep in mind that streams, uh, the money that comes in from streams and purchases of that album will be donated as well to for the to the solid to the worldwide solidarity response fund. So, please uh, show your support to that album if you missed the show or if you didn't, and keep streaming with you so that Super M and their company knows that we want the studio version really bad very soon. Let's talk about three of the main forms that K-pop shows are taking these days during this pandemic. So the first form that some fan events are taking is like what happened this weekend with Bang Bang Con, where they are streaming live content online. And uh, my favorite story, aside from Bang Bang Con, that is an example of this, is what this Twitter account for Red Velvet called Reve Charts decided to do. So this fan account on Twitter organized the RevéCon, a playoff of the album titled The Revé Festival, which was a Red Velvet album trilogy. And so what they decided to do was, since there's no Red Velvet live-streamed event, they made their own. So it's the RevéCon. And so almost 3,500 viewers tuned in for this event that this Twitter account originally created. And they also probably had other accounts help them out. But what they did was they created the whole K-pop concert streaming experience. So the VCRs, if you are not familiar with K-pop concerts, the VCRs are like the the little music, not music videos, but like little mini movie trailers of sorts, little sketches, little um, behind the scenes content, little video montages or con- video content of some sort that plays between inter or during intermissions during the K-pop performance. Anyway, so they ma- they made they made original v- animated VCR content. They made d- a compilation, so the show would run. So when you're streaming the Reve. the Revit Khan Festival, whatever, you got to see the Red Velvet music videos and VCRs that transitioned between the videos, and there were other Red Velvet videos shown as well, so it was like the actual amount of content you would get from a real Red Velvet live stream concert event, and it sounds like it was just a very cool, clever idea. That was this past Friday, April 17th, and so far, there is not an. There are no further dates or plans for a similar event for other artists that I know of, but that is an idea, and we'll get back to that idea in a second. So that's one way that K-pop groups are still getting their content out there, just fan-driven publicity and free press for the group through fan-made live streams or just the group themselves, like BTS's company, um, intentionally putting out some free live stream content to help with, you know, keeping the name out there, and also just a gift for the fans. The second thing people are doing is what this rookie boy group is is trying. They're called MCND, and they are trying, instead of a meet and greet, they're calling it a meet and call event. So basically how the meet and greets work, well, in the USA, you and I'm assuming in a lot of parts of the world, a meet and greet works where you show up and you get to meet them, and that's that. Maybe you don't get to if they reach capacity for the event, but other than that, that's your only qualification to enter the event. You have to pay and uh, not be there past the capacity limit, be there on time, be there early enough. Um, But 
in South Korea, in the world of K-pop, your meet and greet access is kind of a lottery system, so it's based on the amount of albums you buy and stuff, really, your odds. It's not like the golden ticket for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, only it's for access to a meet and greet, so you need to get, like, you like a certain ticket, I believe, or something in an album you buy. That's why people buy up albums in bulk if they can to see if they are the, one of the lucky 100 or maybe 500, depends on the group size, maybe more, maybe less, uh, to get entrance into the event. And there may be other qualifications. It's a whole thing. It's a whole other world how they do their meet and greets there. But anyway... So that is what you would do, and they're basically doing that lottery system for the meet and call event. They have not specifically said it's just for South Korean fans because it's online, so theoretically people from all over the world could participate. And especially if they're calling a meet and call in English, and instructions are in English too, to be involved in the event, I'm assuming that they are assuming they're getting people from other countries to participate as well, but I'm not sure about that. But anyway, so the meet and call event sounds kind of like a meet and greet, where if you are one of the lucky people who wins entry into the the video call of sorts, then when it's your, you'll basically, so you know if you're using Zoom lately, which is like everyone, then you know that when you're waiting for your Zoom meeting to start, if it was a password-related one it, that doesn't start right away, you'll get that loading screen saying the host of this meeting has not started it yet, and when it, when they start it, there you just, that's when you see their face in the video chat. And that's kind of what it sounds like they're doing. So, like, if you gain entrance to the meet and call, you'll be, like, put on, like, in the waiting room of sorts digitally. And then uh, it'll say, you know, loading, loading, loading. And then when it's your turn, MC and D will be on the other side of the screen to meet you for, I'm not sure, probably, like, 20 seconds, not very long. It's, like, speed dating only fan meet edition online. It's it's It sounds like an interesting idea. And so, anyway... I'm not sure if you really get an autograph out of that or if you just get to talk to them. I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but it is an interesting strategy. And like I've said on previous episodes and earlier in this episode, these rookie groups really have to get creative right now to build up a fan base because a huge chunk of their work building up a fan base is based on in-person events and that intimate connection they form. So they're going to have to find a way to do that digitally. And so... That's one way that other groups may follow suit. The third way is simply hoping that things get better and post and posting about and promoting actual live physical concerts. So we talked about Ravi's tour before and an update. Ravi's solo tour is a world tour and it was going to start in May and it was not canceled. It was pushed back just till August. So it really wasn't pushed back super far. So it actually starts August 9th in Chicago, and it'll end in L.A. at the end of September. And between Chicago and L.A., I believe it goes to other countries as well. It's called the World Tour, so I assume it goes to other countries. Anyway, so Ravi's tour is still happening relatively soon compared to how other events have been pushed back. And so I was a bit surprised by that, even more surprised when I looked at the prices. So... Basically, if you're new to K-pop concerts and don't know, actually these are probably not atypical prices. They just seem atypical for this time. Although I will say, though, the general admission is usually much cheaper, but the others might actually be that pricey usually. But anyway, 
So they're charging $80 per ticket just to go there, just general admission in the back one-third of the, of the venues that are standing room only venues by the looks of it. Um, anyway, so there's uh, $80 per that ticket. There is a, a, 20, a $200 VIP option. And there's a $250 VVIP option, which includes the whole nine yards where you get the high-touch experience, premium entry, a group photo with him and other fans, and the fan signing event where he autographs your album copy. And so I was surprised at a lot of elements of this. First of all, there's a lot of touching. Not just literally the name is high touch for that part of the event where you actually get to touch the artist and give them a high five or whatever, um, but also like them touching your album to sign it and the group photo, not even an individual photo, but like a whole group squeezed into a picture. And I've been to those group photo things. They cram like 10 people in a picture if they can. So that's a lot of proximity to people, unless you take a weird wide angle, six feet apart shot with each member in like a circle or something weird like that. Um, but that doesn't sound like the plan. So, and also the, yeah, these venues seem to be uh, more general admission style venues. So obviously not six feet apart, lots of germ spreading could happen. And also in general, the fees surprise me because I assume that with people more hesitant to buy tickets to shows, worried about them getting canceled, or in general just worried about the health risks at this time, ever, that's on everyone's mind. So if demand is lower, you would assume that prices would be dropped a bit too to make people more likely to buy the tickets. So, But clearly they're not doing that with this tour. They're just hoping everything's back to normal by August. And gosh, I hope so, but... Not sure how likely that is. So it, it is interesting. I My prediction is that this whole tour will get pushed back again or canceled. But I don't know. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen. I really hope it doesn't happen. Um, but I'm just wondering who's going to go. Um, because it's also about who's buying tickets. Like, I would love to go, honestly. I'll be in Chicago in early August. So... I could go, theoretically, but I'm not going to get permission um, from anyone who would drive me, who has a car, um, to go because they don't want me going. Um, they'd probably be scared and they wouldn't want to help me pay for a ticket either. So, you know, it's like, so if you're confident enough to go, sure, if you have a car and the money, go ahead. But how many people can just go on their own? when others disapprove of them going, you know, it's like a big dangerous task now to go to a show. So, ugh, I don't know. But, so those are the three forms that these shows are taking. One is just, and le okay, let's break this down in terms of what I'm hoping for, uh, for the foreseeable future for these artists, and especially BTS hinting at a surprise in June, a surprise event with the, they actually said like, it will be in your room or in your home. They use some wording like that. Like they will be doing something that you can do from your home to connect with them. So that's why I'm thinking about this right now. So anyway, so they could do events like Bang Bang Con or Reve Con, which would be really cool. I don't know how you get the copyright ability to put that together, but if you could, that like that'd be awesome to have more fandoms team up and 
create those kind of homemade VCRs and other festival content for each other so that we could have like every weekend of Bang Bang Con but for a different K-pop group that'd be awesome something to look forward to so uh, if that's possible I'm not sure how they pulled it off but wow if they can do it other groups can do it too and that would be awesome and in general I hope uh, companies are thinking about that too and getting inspired by that um, realizing the success of Bang Bang Con and being like, wow, we should do that for our artists, you know? So that's just a thought. Uh, second of all, the meet and call events honestly sound really fun. Not as fun as obviously seeing them in person, but it, the next best thing. And so I hope that is a success. And I'm honestly really, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I think this is the likely thing BTS was talking about, odds are the most likely explanation when they hinted at something in June was that it'd be another live stream event, or maybe it was just a hint that they're still, or just like a see you in June reference to their tour dates in June, like they won't get pushed back that far, um, from May to June, which I don't think is what they meant when they said they'd postpone the dates, but you never know. And so we'll see, but it's, I wonder if it would be something like that, if they would do like a meet and call with fans from around the world, because they really want to connect with us and we want to connect with them. And it's a way to reach people around the world, especially in the USA, because right now uh, we are not (laughs) handling this crisis well. So while other countries are really like flattening their curve and being able to go back to normal life, during these months, at least gradually, the USA, we are really in trouble for a long time, honestly. We're not doing well with testing people, with keeping things under control. We've got a long road ahead of us still. So if BTS is going to tour the USA, um, maybe they change that plan and specifically do a meet and call for North American fans. Just a thought, or something, I don't know, maybe a meet and call for each continent separately or each country or something I don't know I'm just speculating here and proposing some ideas that would be a really cool compensation for a postponed or canceled tour date so uh and then the third option is people just go on with their shows as normal but honestly just brace yourselves if you're concert fanatics like me that we won't just start going back to shows we'll probably be expected to wear masks there maybe even gloves We will probably have to have temperature checks at the door. There will be things that are different. This won't just go back to normal concert viewing. And I don't say that uh, with any joy, but just I think it, it makes it a little less frustrating if you've prepared in advance and knew about this in advance. And also, but I wonder, so here's a weird idea I have, and I don't know if it's a terrible idea or actually really smart. What if these artists do tour, but they do spread out so that like they go to stadiums like probably smaller acts could do this not bts sized acts but other acts instead of going to the intimate like theater venues that they plan to they perform at bigger arenas or stadiums and they just have the smaller amount of fans spread out farther so there are like two seats in between people like on the left and your on your left and right there are like two seats that are empty on both sides and so everyone's just really spread out is that really a really stupid idea or is that actually really smart I don't know I'm just wondering like would they would the financially would that actually help because it's making more money than you would if you just canceled the show but it's not making as much money as you would if you just postponed it well speaking of money involved there is a controversy around Ticketmaster's latest policy 
Ticketmaster last week quietly changed it so that you can only get a refund for concert tickets through Ticketmaster that you bought if your show was canceled. So if your show was postponed or pushed back or delayed, if they use any language but straight up canceled, you can't get a refund for that show. Live Nation is also under that same uh, um, overall guideline, but due to some pushback, a lot of pushback, and anger about that uh, money grab, basically, to people's money, um, what, they, what they've clarified now is not really a change in that policy, but sort of like hinting at a change in policy. So basically they said if you have tickets that you bought through Ticketmaster or Live Nation for shows that are still upcoming, you can you you can expect an email from them within the next two weeks, probably May 1st, not before. They made it sound like on May 1st, not before. But around May 1st, keep an eye out for an email from Ticketmaster or Live Nation. And you should be able to see them. They will say, here's the show you have tickets for with us. Here's the latest update on the status of that show. And now that you have this email, your 30-day window has started to get a refund if it applies to your show. So that makes it sound like they're going to start on a show-by-show, tour-by-tour basis, changing the requirements for getting uh, your money back for your ticket. And maybe it's just a percent of the money back. I don't know what their exact expectations are but just keep an eye out for that and we'll see maybe you do get some financial relief even if your show was just postponed because I'm sure some people could use the money right now the fourth option I guess for artists is next level and we don't I don't know how technologically advanced we are yet but one group um, called real estate they are not a k-pop group they're just a, ba- a band who is planning a Corin tour and the Corin tour is basically a 3d virtual reality-esque concert experience where they are performing in your home in a sense i think it's just like honestly live stream content but they're rebranding it to make it sound futuristic but who knows maybe they've got something up their sleeves so that is another option Um, I can't speak too much about that because I don't know about the technology that would be required to make that happen, but you never know. So we'll see. I mean, we are living in bizarre times. I guess I'll believe anything is possible right now. All right. There are a few more things I want to talk about just in the world of K-pop, and then I want to preview what the next episode will be about. So... First up, let's talk really quick about Winner. So the boy band Winner is going on a temporary hiatus due to two of the four members going on the required two years of military enlistment time just this month they left. So in the meantime, though, we can expect more new music from Mino and Yoon. Yoon, I know for sure he confirmed it. Mino, I'm just putting that out into the world and hoping for a sequel to XX, the album. But but Yoon, we should get excited for too, honestly. He really has one really great song out so far, which is called It Rains. So if you're into, like, rock ballads, check out It Rains by Yoon. I believe it's uh, Kane Soon Yoon on Spotify to look for. And he said his music will differ from winners, but sound different from his older stuff too. So um, maybe... Maybe it won't sound like a rock ballad, but I hope he does more of those because that's his zone. That's his lane to me. That is his vocal range is just perfect for that. So anyway, so get excited for the solo work and also support their last work for some time as a four-piece. Winner's latest album, Remember, hit number one on the iTunes charts in at least 20 different regions of the world. 
It also topped music sites outside of iTunes in China and Japan, and so it's gotten some worldwide success, which they deserve. Also, let's talk about some entries into the Million Views Club. So, uh, the Million Views Clubs, should I say. So, first of all, congrats to Mamamoo. Their very first video to enter the 100 Million Views Club is hip. And, side note, I think Mamamoo is really something. If we weren't in this pandemic, they would be touring the USA right now. I think they're really making it huge. I really think Everglow is really making it huge too. Every time I see a list of the most viewed and liked content of K-pop in 2020, Everglow's done done and or, well not, not Adios, that was last year, but anyway, Everglow content is always in the top five usually top three. They are really, their views are up there with twice BTS and other staples of K-pop. They are really the super rookies, so keep your eye out for more from them. And then G-Idol is obviously doing huge in the U.S., and they just signed with Republic Records for the USA promotions. So Everglow, G-Idol, they're, they're doing so well. Mama Moo, and especially Solar, who's about to have her first solo release, so her solo debut. And so, you know, all those groups, they really would be, I just think K-pop girl groups are having a moment in the USA and would be even more if it weren't for this pandemic. So, but yeah, keep your eyes on them in the USA in terms of their USA promo for sure. So I expect a fully English or at least half English Mamamoo album in the future. I would not be surprised to see that. Anyway, also, we have Loser by Big Bang, which is their third music video to enter the 200 million views club. I Love It by Psy is his seventh video to enter the 100 million views club. And Kill This Love by Blackpink is their third video to enter the 800 million views club. They are apparently working on a follow-up to Kill This Love, um, which would probably even smash the 800 million views record if YG lets them release it. So we shall see. And speaking of more artists that are doing really well right now, we have NCT Dream lineup confirmation. So if there's anything good we can take out of 2020, it is that we are finally getting NCT Dream as a fixed unit and also all the other great music releases this year, of course. But yeah, we finally are getting NCT Dream to be a fixed unit because as we've talked about at length before on my other All About NCT episodes of the show... NCT Dream is basically like a graduating system, but they decided that if people cannot graduate because of the pandemic, even NCT members won't be able to graduate this year. I totally just jumped to that conclusion. Maybe that's not why they did it, but it is kind of funny that even now, even the NCT Dream members can't graduate this year. So anyway, so Mark is apparently going to be back as part permanently of NCT Dream, and we love to see it. And so we will see Mark reunite with them after this next comeback, which is April 29th. So get ready for that. And so NCT Dream is going to stay a fixed unit. And it sounds like it's going to be like NCTU, where it's a different amount of members depending on the song. So it's constantly going to fluctuate who's doing promo for that subunit. So... I guess that's really just like NCTU part two. And so I wonder, does this mean they're going to have another NCT Dream? Because are we still going to have like dreamies? Like little, not little kids, but like younger, uh, just that cutesy like music from the younger kids, like a chewing gum era subunit? Or are they all just maturing now? Are they going to, like, did they abandon plans to keep adding more and more and more and more members of NCT? 
I mean, right now I could see why they put that plan on hold, but it's a cool concept, so I kind of hope they do keep adding members. Plus, there's more members to love, but I, I don't know yet, and so I guess we will see about that. Also, we have some free agents, so 21's Minzy has officially reached a settlement and is now a solo artist. Cheetah from Unpretty Rap Star, she is now running her own one-person agency. So she left C9 Entertainment to start her own company and is now going to pursue music and TV and film. And I hope she gets like King, Dan King Daniel level style success. I'm curious. I was honestly predicting that more artists would continue to become uh, like a one-man show, like one-woman show, like, um, you know, so that they could have more creative freedom and not work with their company. But I don't think that trend will happen anymore because of the financial support you get from being part of a bigger company. So I, I just wish for the best, but this is quite a time to try to strike out on your own. But if King Daniel can do it right now and be thriving, she better uh, get the same support. So, Also, AOMG, Jay Park's company, has now re recruited another female to their cast. And so first, previously, the only female that was there was Hoodie. But now we have Evita. And Evita just dropped her debut EP. Sorry, Devita, but Evita is the name of the song. I keep flipping those around in my head. But Devita has a song called Evita. She has a very cool sound. It's like a mix of sounds. It's kind of throwback 90s-ish, but it's also uniquely AOMG. It's just got the AOMG vibe, so it's like rap meets R&B meets lo-fi sounds. And I really love it, and it really meets the moment. So I think she'll really take off career-wise, and I hope so. Also, taking off career-wise, one of my longtime favorite singers, not K-pop, but outside of K-pop, is Max. Not the Max in K-pop, um, but I'll talk about him more in a minute, but a different Max. And this Max, he's a singer who is awesome, and you should check out his stuff, side note, but also he has hinted before that he has a K-pop collaboration in the pipeline that is going to come out this year, and I have two theories. Um, one is that it's Yoongi or another BTS member, but probably if it's any of them, it's Yoongi. My other thought is that it's Joshua and or Vernon from Seventeen. And based on the hints he gave, and it's just the way he alluded to this person he's collaborating with. So I'm curious who it will be. And uh, I don't know, man. I feel like if I get the prediction right, I deserve a shout-out on the next 17th song or something. <laughs> well, you never know. And now I need to take a moment to appreciate Eric Nam, as I usually do on the show. So happy anniversary, one-year anniversary, to the K-Pop Daybuck Show, which is Eric Nam's podcast. So I would like to take this moment to not only wish that show a happy anniversary, but to do two other things. One is to promote Eric Nam's next podcast. He has a lot going on with I Think You're Dope is another one. And then this one. But this one is called Commit or Quit. So if you're looking for something to binge watch, you should tune into the podcast Commit or Quit, where Eric Nam and his brothers talk about a different show in each episode. They watch a couple episodes of it, and then they decide if they're going to commit to watching the whole show or if they're just going to quit and it's not as interesting as they thought or worth their time. And so... 
it's a, a good way to not only not only do you kill time listening to podcasts, but then watching whatever they recommended you. So go check that out. And my other comment about this is my another yet another explicit request for Eric Nam to please answer my text because we would love to have him on the show. I would love to talk to him on this podcast or someone on his team or his brothers or <sighs> Bobo or. Um, I mean, any you know anyone that he worked on with Whiting with, but I don't have their numbers, so I can't reach them. Tableau, I've reached out to, have not heard back. Eric Nam, please help me out, <laughs> link me up, and because you're always tweeting now about going stir crazy and feeling bored, well, you can kill a lot of time by spending an hour chatting for the show, and I want to help promote your podcasts and your music, and talk about the past before we begin tour you were on, talk about the honestly era. There's a lot of content we could talk about, and the fans would love it. I'd love it. It would be an honor. It would be a special mood boost and something to look forward to during this dark time. And so I would love to make that happen. If you are into that, it could be as free-flowing a conversation as you want. It could be as structured as you want, whatever you want to do on the show. It can be your show for an episode. It's the NOM Takeover. So if you want that, please text back or reply to this request. But we'll see. And if anyone else has someone they really want to talk to on the show, uh, tag 17 Care K-Pop on Instagram, Twitter, etc. And let's make it happen. So my last thing to discuss is a little preview of what you can expect from the next episode unless I get a special coveted interview request. Um, But if I don't, then I will be talking about what I'm going to mention next. And after I talk about that, I do have a few recommendations for you music-wise and viewing-wise. And some good news stories, not necessarily about K-pop, but like I've said again and again, they're just things I've been hearing that I want to share to uplift you and brighten your days. It's time for the latest recurring segment on the show where we just talk about something not K-pop related, but worth your time, I think, and will hopefully be a mood boost for you all, which is an update about some of the great things people are doing around the world to help each other out during this very difficult time. And naturally, once again, I have I've compiled a list of exactly 17 different examples for this week. So we're just going to rattle them off real quick because I know it's been quite a lengthy episode already. So First of all, the keepers of the AIDS Memorial Quilt have been making masks out of leftover fabric from the project. Number two, Netflix is offering some new free documentaries as well as supplemental educational tools for teachers to use and assign to their students. Three, a gym owner named Drew Drew Whitted, Drew Whited, apologies if I mispronounced that, in Illinois, is giving members of his gym equipment from the gym to rent out. So $40,000 of equipment they are able to bring into their own homes now. Number four, there were tornadoes that whipped through Tennessee a few weeks ago, but a baby grand piano is still there. So everything around it, it's really something to see the pictures and videos of this piano and everything around it is torn apart, but the piano is still standing and it still plays music. And it's just another wild, powerful reminder about the power of music and just how impactful and symbolic those moments can be when we're around music. 
Number five, wild boars are roaming Barcelona because the people are not around. So this is a nice continuation of the the goats taking over Wales or or wandering the streets of Wales story. Now we have wild boars in Barcelona and other parts of the world too. Bears in the woods, all sorts of animals all over are reclaiming nature right now and it's making for some great headlines. A number six. In Detroit, there is a fashion designer named Elena Victoria who is giving sewing lessons online to students ages 8 to 13 that want to help sew masks for frontline workers right now. This guy who decided who he witnessed something while he was at Sam's Club where this elderly couple could not find what they needed and so a younger person who was behind them in the checkout line just gave his food to them and that may not seem like a newsworthy story but please it really is it, and all these little moments are really special and like I I always like to say that um you know sometimes on the news they're reporting the more dramatic stories the more negative stuff because that's you know that's important to know about in the world too and also you know it helps with viewers but people do want to hear about the more local good things people are doing for each other too, and I consider that stuff newsworthy. So I'm just hoping that we can, after all of this is over, which it will be someday, but if it doesn't feel like it, we can all change what we label as a society as newsworthy because all these little moments of people coming together, I think are worth the same amount of spotlight as the darker, more dramatic, as they say, content. Anyway, all right, number eight. So Ellie Goulding has teamed up with a network provider called EE in the UK. So in the UK, they are teaming up and giving out for free 400 cell phones to the homeless community to help them stay in touch with their loved ones. Number nine, Fiona Apple has a great idea for artists. She posted a video to social media earlier this week talking about how she gets these emails for sync requests, which basically is when someone wants to use your song in their own project. So they want your approval to use their song. And so when artists get sync request emails, pretty much all the time I would assume they ignore them, if they even see them. And she was about to ignore it, but then she thought, maybe I should give this person requesting it the permission because when they have a they issue a formal sync request, it it involves money. So like they're paying you to they're requesting to use your song and offering to pay you for it. And so she decided maybe artists should start accepting those sync requests and taking their money so that they can then in turn donate that money right now to a charity. So that's a good idea for the future. Because as she said there, you know, in the video, like no one cares what your song is in. Like if someone adds your song to their uh, just blah video, then they're not going to like, that's not going to turn into people being mad at you. They'll say that the person who created the video did a bad job. They're not going to say you did a bad job, you know? So just take that money and donate it because otherwise, you know, what, what would it be going towards? So it's just an interesting proposition for musicians and producers out there to consider. Number 10, there is a new podcast coming to iHeartRadio next month called Commencement, and it is the class of 2020 
podcast, basically. So Commencement is going to be a podcast where a bunch of celebrities record graduation speeches that they would be giving if we were having in-person graduations this spring. And so you can listen to celebrities' words of wisdom that they want to share with the world. And so it won't, it's not the same as them coming to your canvas, but you could still, it's something and it's, it's a really nice uh, effort and idea behind it. So number 11, in Iowa, a man spent $82,000 on gift cards to make sure that every single home in his town got a gift card to use on whatever they need during this time. Number 12, Tom Moore, a World War II veteran in the UK, he's 99 years old, and he decided to do this challenge where every length of his backyard that he walked meant that another another amount of money was going to be, I, I apologize for not remembering the exact amount, but a certain amount of dollars would go towards the National Health Service in the UK every for every length of his backyard that he walked. But after local news media picked up on this story, donations started flooding in, and pretty soon he had walked a lot more miles and raised a total of $1.2 million for the National Health Service just from walking his backyard. It's That, that is just incredible. That's probably my favorite of the, this bunch of stories. Number 13, Lego has decided to put the resources to making face shields. So per day now, they are making 13,000 face shields at their facilities. 14, um, there is a teenager who recently got his flight license. So he's called, his name is TJ Kim, and he is delivering personal protective equipment to rural hospitals by flying there because they don't get um, boxes of medical supplies as easily in some rural areas. So uh, that that th- if that isn't proof that teens are making a difference in the world, I don't know what is. Um, 15. So there is this new subscription service called Trickle Up. And if you subscribe to Trickle to trickle up the money that you spend on your subscription is money that is going towards artists who are struggling right now and are living below the poverty line. So this is a really hard time for the arts and music industries and everyone who works behind the scenes. So, I mean, because like I've said again and again, the people who go into creating these works works of art that musicians release, they're very big extensive teams that don't have a lot of money if they're the behind-the-scenes people during this time because live music income is not there. So a lot of them are really struggling, and so if you want to help them and know that your money is for sure going to them, you could subscribe to Trickle Up and know that your subscription money is going towards them. A man named Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam, he is an entrepreneur who invented this machine that is dispensing rice for free. So if no questions asked, if you are on the street and it's like going to a vending machine, but you can get enough rice for a meal um, there. And it's just a way to help out those who are struggling to pay for food regularly during this time. And number 17. There was a Twitch livestream concert event featuring artists from all over the world, including my faves Monster X, and the Twitch livestream collectively raised $2.7 million for the World Health Organization COVID-19 Relief Fund. That so that that's also incredible, and there were even more stories I did not have time to get to, but 17 at a time for 
for numerical purposes and also uh, just to spread out the good news. But keep keep in mind in your local communities it's there and it's happening even if you don't see it on the news these days. I'm going to make this a regular part of every episode where I give a what to watch recommendation and a what to listen to recommendation. So first up, what to watch. The episode, it's free on YouTube, and it's got English subtitles of Going 17. In the latest episode, they go through an escape room, and so naturally that just ends up being funny and amusing to watch, even if you're not a Super 17 fan. And my What to Listen to recommendation for the week is Chocolate by Max from TVXQ, but also Max's entire solo album release, his very first solo album release since being a part of TVXQ all those years ago. And honestly, hear me out, this title track, Chocolate, sounds like if Jason Derulo made a K-pop song. It just does. It has a Derulo vibe. Prove me wrong. We'll see what happens. Anyway, so I want to conclude this super long episode by previewing what will happen on a shorter episode released later this week. So, a relevant recent news update is that there was a fan of Cosmic Girls, a Starship Entertainment girl group, who decided to try to hand over a gift, although physical gifts are not being allowed to, like, Cosmic Girls are not allowed to accept physical gifts from fans right now, and but this fan didn't really care and tried to throw the, their package for a Cosmic Girls member through a window as the band was driving away. So that fan is now banned from all future Cosmic Girls fan events. So that segues into what I was planning on talking about in a future episode anyway, but it makes it seem more relevant to make it the next theme for the episode, which is about fandom culture overall and when it goes too far, and really discussing and debating about when your love for artists is really awesome to have and when it's overboard and you need to reassess it. And also people, like examples of fans who cross boundaries and ways to just not be like them and ways we can make sure that we are supporting our artists without doing things that make them uncomfortable. I find these stories interesting, but I also don't want to give those people the publicity, frankly, so uh, I will not be using names when when I talk about those examples of what not to do, but they're still interesting stories worth talking about, I think, so... Anyway, I will see you later this week for that, as well as a whole bunch of other themes of content that you'll get in the coming weeks. And if you haven't already, you can check out the episode called K-Pop Talk with Rainer, where my first interview of the season is up online to listen to. He's a popular K-Pop YouTuber, and so we we talk about all sorts of stuff in the world of K-Pop. He promotes his channel and talks about what you can expect from that. And we made some predictions for the 2020 in K-pop, talked about some K-pop album and song recommendations, a whole host of topics. So you can check that out now. Also, the long-awaited Into the Lunaverse episode is out now, where I break down all sorts of theories and symbols in the world of Luna and their music video worlds. So stand Luna and check that out. And yeah, that is it for today. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you later this week.